Welcome to the Prophetic Collective Podcast. My name is Stacey Hillier, and I'm so excited that you've decided to join me, some of my friends from all walks of life, as we chat about how the prophetic is purposed to build both the church and to break outside of her four walls into your world. We'll chat to prophetically minded people who will inspire you. They come from all walks of life, somebody for everyone to relate to. And each conversation has the purpose of equipping you to prophetically build and lead in the places and spaces that God has placed you. So let's go. Welcome back to episode three of the Spheres Collection. How good was James last week? As we delved into the business sphere, I hope that helped you. Today, we're going to chat about the education sphere. So if you're a teacher, a lecturer, teacher's aide, parent, student, curriculum writer, youth pastor, kids pastor, basically, if you are breathing, this is going to really help you to know how we can influence this space as Christians, but also as prophetically gifted people who are called to take our Holy Spirit gifts outside of the church. And I want to introduce you to my friend right up front. Her name is Kelly Fell or Kel Fell. Cue all the jokes, Kel, because you did get up again. (laughs) Kelly is a primary school teacher and education leader at the very same primary school that she attended and grew up in and also where she met her husband. Kelly has recently gone on maternity leave, about to have her first barber. Friends, say hi to Kelly. It is so good to have you here. Thank you for having me. Are you excited? Oh, yeah. What's it like being on mat leave? Oh, it's a lot of time you think you have to yourself, but there's still someone interrupting every moment. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't mean your husband. No, of course not. <laughs> and you've also just bought a house and you're renovating. Yeah, well, they say when you do life stages, instead of doing them one at a time, you just do them all at once. Well, you say that. <laughs> <laughs> so because of the lockdown blues, Kel, I realised my last two podcasts, if I'm being completely honest, were pretty serious. And and you know me, I'm not actually a very serious person all the time. So I thought, why don't we start today with some rapid fire questions to keep it light before we get into all the content. So I'm going to ask you four quick questions. Mm-hmm. Let's see how you go. What book are you reading at the moment? I'm reading a book called Holy Labor by mm-hmm. Aubrey Smith, yep. which is uh, hopefully going to prepare me for a very healthy, grounded, hopefully spirit-filled labor experience. Um, You know what, Kel? That was a really perfect opportunity for you to say worship is. (laughs) (laughs) I have read it multiple times, but it's just not in my repertoire at the moment. Kidding, all good. (laughs) What's your coffee order? Uh, Skinny cappuccino with a little bit of sugar I'm trying to wean off, but I like having a bit of froth before I have my coffee. Oh, yeah. So do you tell the barista how many grains of sugar or is it like by the half teaspoon, full teaspoon? Uh, I'll trust their half teaspoon judgment. Yeah, right. It's a little bit too sweet. That's okay. They've always got another chance when I come back again. Because my mum is literally like, with three grains of sugar, please. Oh, not like a cube? Uh, Sugar cube. It's like three grains. It's so embarrassing. (laughs) Favourite ice cream flavour? Definitely cookies and cream. Ooh, I am all about panna. Mm-hmm. Hannah ice cream because everyone knows I can't have the dairy and everyone around me knows if I do have dairy. So I do love the double choc Hannah ice cream. It's delish. Yum. 
Something that brings you joy? Uh, definitely singing. Yeah. Whether it be trashy throwback pop hits or <laughs> musical theatre belters or any worship song that's going to lift my voice and my spirit. Kelly, that actually reminds me your wedding was epic. <laughs> um, for those who didn't get to be there, which is probably most of you, <laughs> they had the most amazing wedding where Kelly and her husband Jared sang to one another the bridesmaids sang, Kelly's mum sang, Jared sang. It was like going to a glee wedding. It was freaking awesome. <laughs> okay, something that triggers you quickly. Uh, this is the teacher in me. Poor yep. grammar and spelling, especially in documents that you know have been edited before they've been like, Just published. spell check people. Yeah. Those blue and red lines, they're not to the be The yours ignored. and yours and the theirs and theirs. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with you. All right, good to know. Let's get into today's to today's topic, the mountain or sphere of education and how we can operate prophetically in this space, which you do. So perhaps we could start with you giving people a little bit of background info. How long have you been teaching? So technically five and a half years. This yep. year would have been my sixth year. Okay. So wow, you're going into your seventh Sabbath year. Oh, there you go. On a Sabbath break, <laughs> except you're having a baby and that's not a break. But it'll be beautiful. What grade do you teach? So I taught year three, four in my first year, and then I moved to one, two for the next four years. And this year I was in a straight year one classroom. Oh, that would have been interesting because you had your COVID preppies last year coming to you this yeah. year. Wow, what a challenging year it's been, hey? And you started a new role in leadership recently. So what does that role look like? So I was the year one coordinator. Mm -hmm. So that meant uh, coordinating the planning of my team, answering admin questions as they popped up throughout the week, mm -hmm. um, supporting the needs of the other four wonderful girls that I worked with yep. and uh, being president leadership meetings as representative for our team. You would have done such a good job with that. Talk to me about how has it actually been teaching through COVID? It's not what I signed on for, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Um, I mean, my passion is to be in the classroom with the kids. So when you're spending half of your teaching time asking them to please come off mute or please mute yourself, or, yeah. I appreciate your fan speed in your bedroom, but I don't need to know about it right now. <laughs> um, yeah, it's definitely not the environment that's always conducive for teachers. Mm. Um, and the biggest challenge is obviously the differences from student to student and how some kids really thrive in, in the independent environment because they are able to work through things at, at their own pace. Mm. But then those kids that are academically behind that need that support and don't necessarily get it because their parents are working mm. or the environment is just too distracting. So um, yeah, it's just, it's not ideal for anyone. And I really feel for all the parents mm. um, over these last few years that have felt the burden of trying to be the teacher when that's mm. not their occupation, but their heart is just to see their kids thrive in any environment. Mm -hmm. And um, they've already got enough distractions going on in their world that I'm sure going to experience in the next few years with my own child. But um, yeah, it's it's not not really not conducive, but you got to give your hat off to the kids and to the parents and yeah. to the students because everyone's just been really giving it their best yep. in, yeah, in, in awful circumstances. Yeah, I feel for me too. <laughs> uh, homeschooling four kids has yes. really been a delight. I think if I could give my full self to it, I would enjoy it. But because I've been trying to work full time as mm. well, 
it's had its moments and you feel for them because they've been robbed of so much. Mm. It's really interesting. I was just thinking then, Kel, um, prophetic people, we actually rely a lot on um, people's physical cues and their voice cues when Mm. we're with them in a room. So one of the things I've found challenging during COVID is having to film online church and worship lead to an empty room. Mm. And it's been like doing this prophetic activation I do with some of our prophetic groups where we blindfold and we put a person in the middle of the room and so everybody else in the circle doesn't know who's in the middle because they're all blindfolded and they have to prophesy over the person without using what they can see Mm. or what they know of the person. And essentially that's what I've been doing as a worship leader for the last 18 months, worship leading blindfolded in the spirit realm. But it's been amazing to see how many times God has come through with things we've sung out. They've been so specific to people. In a way, you've been teaching a little bit blindfolded because Mm. you don't pick up on their moods and their cues. And we're going to talk a bit later about how you apply the spiritual gift of prophecy in teaching. But have you noticed the difference in terms of being able to pick up on their sensitivities and stuff with not being in the room? And I I think uh, obviously different schools have had different um, structures for online learning. So I know some schools have had a lot more face-to-face exposure. Uh, We tried to strip things back so that it wasn't as much of a pressure for parents to feel like they needed to organise the technology and yep. the online aspects for their child. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the kids, their spirits, despite the situation, are still so fresh and are still so innocent that mm-hmm. just being with their teacher or being with their friends was enough for them to yep. get their day started. And so our morning, um, our morning's always begun with a a meet of some description, whether it be a small group or a, a whole classmate. And um, it gave them, it gave some of them the boost that they needed to begin mm. their day. But you could just see some of their little bodies were just yeah. not not ready for the day ahead and um, trying to tackle just the challenges of the day mm. by themselves, knowing that their parents were in another room yeah. on another Zoom yeah. doing their own jobs. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess it, it does feel a little bit like feeling blindfolded because you can't, you don't have that access to all mm-hmm. the kids at once. You've just, mm-hmm. just got their little face and mm-hmm. um, they don't have the, the space and the freedom to mm-hmm. interact with one another as they normally would. So interesting because mm-hmm. for me personally, I pray prayers like, God, grow me in prophecy, grow me in my spiritual gift of prophecy. And then he makes me worship lead to an empty room for 18 months. Challenge. <laughs> Joke's on you. <laughs> well, let's get into um, really digging into what this sphere looks like. In Proverbs 24, 5 to 6, in the message paraphrase, it says, It's better to be wise than strong. Intelligence outranks muscle any day. Strategic planning is the key to warfare. To win, you need a lot of good counsel. And this is such a great scripture when it comes to the seven spheres, Kel, because it really is a key to warfare, a strategy for how to influence a city, region, nation, or people group for you, a classroom or a student with the gospel. And for those who would like to know more about that, we cover it in episode one of this collection. You can go back and listen to that. But I want to start by giving people some practical ways that you can pray for the education sphere. You don't have to be a teacher. You don't have to be a parent. But if we're people who want to see our cities and our regions influenced with the gospel, we need to be committed to praying for the education sphere. Mm. 
So let me pause here and say that so much of what God shares with us is for the platform of prayer, not the platform that man has made. And if you want to grow prophetically, be a person who can be trusted with the secrets God shares with you and do the heavy lifting in prayer rather than seeking the spotlight of a platform. Some of the pitfalls I see in the prophetic quite a bit is that people want a microphone and they want to prophesy over everyone. I'm like, just be trustworthy in the secret place with what God shares with you. Mm. So some practical ways that people can intercede for the education sphere. Firstly, pray that educators will teach knowledge and truth that is applied with wisdom, love, and passion. So pray for teachers, pray for lecturers, Pray for teachers' aides. We want them to teach knowledge and truth. Mm. And we want students to know how to apply it with wisdom, love, and passion. Secondly, pray educators will and will be able to teach the truth about God. And this is actually a real challenge Mm. in our current world landscape. Thirdly, pray that educators will teach the full view of creation. (laughs) Interesting. Four, pray that educators will impart destiny and purpose. I can't count the number of times when I say to people, talk to me about some of the most significant moments in your life or significant people. People will name teachers Mm. from 20, 30 years ago. So, Cal, as someone who teaches in a government school, Which one of those four areas that I've asked people to pray into is the most challenging for you, given our current climate? So I think teachers are really special in the way that they've been gifted passion that can't be matched by any other profession to to grow little humans into the best that they can be. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a lot of what we teach is applied with wisdom and thought And a lot of teachers, as I said, have a lot of passion and love for what they do. Um, I feel like destiny and purpose are instilled through incidental ways of always encouraging our kids to be their best and be the best version of themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, There isn't a specific right or wrong view of creation in schools where we don't explicitly teach like the Big Bang Theory or evolution isn't really taught. Uh, but definitely, and without even thinking about it, the biggest challenge is definitely that we are teaching the truth about God. Right. And it's God isn't a word you hear very often in school environments, which right. is really um, upsetting. Children who believe in God or who attend church still tend to keep a bit more quiet yeah. as it's not a common word that their peers are aware of or that they're exposed to. Wow. And as the world continues to evolve, there are so many other facets of social structures and social contra- constructs that really challenge our kids and they're really seeking the truth, um, but I think they're just given too much worldly truth and not enough kingdom truth. So are you actually allowed to share the truth about God with your students? I don't think if I did, I would be reprimanded. It'd be. I think it would be interesting to find out what... I guess what parent communities or what leadership might say about it. I think I don't. I know some of my kids in my class in in previous years have gone to church, and they've they've written about it on a Monday about you know their weekend of being mm-hmm. at church, and I've been able to share yep. about my weekend at church as well, mm-hmm. and that's made them feel um, accepted and included, and knowing that oh you know my teacher does it as well, yep. um, and. I don't have to shy away from speaking about God and about church with 
my own colleagues because it's a part of who I am and it Mm -hmm. wouldn't be correct or right for any of them to hold anything like that against me. Um, But I think on a wider scale, um, there would be many individuals that would feel uncomfortable being so vocal, knowing that there are so many avenues, whether it be online or Mm. in person, Mm -hmm. um, for families or for individuals in the community to to actually use that against you. And I don't think that would come from within the school. I think that would come from from families and Mm -hmm. from communities that are just scared about hearing something that another another idea that's challenging what the kids are trying to understand these days. It's really good and I love what you've just shared about teachers having wisdom, love and passion for the kids, how you are trying to instill destiny and purpose. It's interesting what you're saying about creation, that there's no right or wrong way because mm. that right there is actually an alert because there is a right way. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you're, we're not, we don't have it in our curriculum anymore, mm. whereas that's what I was taught growing up. Mm. So this is how quickly things are changing. I mean, yes, I'm old, but things are (laughs) changing quickly. So right there are some strategies, some inside info for how to pray specifically for this fear. And often in the prophetic, God will drop an idea or a big theme. And then how I tackle that is I do some research to pat it out, to know how to pray and to partner in shifting the climate. Because what we're looking for is alignment with kingdom coming to earth. Yeah. So, Cal, the literal definition of education is knowledge or skill obtained or developed by a learning process. And whilst most most education institutes started out as places intended to serve as places of training and admonition admonition in the fear of God, Mm. places that taught how to put God at the centre of all learning, this is no longer what defines the vast majority of our education system. And one of the beautiful things is that as Christians... We're called to carry the Holy Spirit and His wisdom into these places and influence them with His presence, His gifts, and the gospel. And we have such a unique opportunity right now because there is a lot of darkness infiltrating this sphere. I mean, think about my kids go to a Christian school mm. and they've had an issue. One of them's had an issue in their class this year with a child transitioning. Mm. And even the Christian school is walking a legal minefield. Yeah in terms of what they can say about that, even in a Christian school. Mm. So we do need to be awake and aware. So talk to me about some of the greatest issues you are facing when it comes to how our education system and society in general has departed from the absolute truths of God's Word. For example, primary school-aged children transitioning genders or the number of children who are living in broken homes. How godless is our national education system really? Like, is there any room for God? Give us the inside info. Oh, that's a tough question. Yeah. Um, initially, I hear that question and I'm like, yes, there's always room for God because <laughs> God is everywhere and mm-hmm. he's in everything. Yep. Um, I think personally it's finding finding moments to weave his truth into everyday teaching experiences. Yep. Things like honesty and love and respect and appreciation of mm-hmm. creation. I could go on Um I know at my school we have what we call character strengths, which is um, the characteristics that make up who we are mm-hmm. as humans. Um, and one of them is actually spirituality. And so some of the kids actually, after taking the test, realise that something like spirituality is one of their character strengths. And so that's actually 
giving them an opportunity to understand how their connection with something that's greater than who they are is actually a a strength in their personality. Um, And I'm reminded of um, Romans 12, verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And so my job as a teacher is to discern if what I'm teaching these kids is going to hopefully encourage and empower them to be happy and healthy Mm. and that I couldn't care less what academic level they are as they all learn at different styles, they all learn at different rates and that my responsibility is to teach the curriculum but the beauty is that I can teach it how I see fit. It's not a one-size-fits-all teaching style. Mm -hmm. Um, In saying that, some of the biggest issues in the education system that demonstrate a divide from the truth of God's word is um, obviously that the government ordered that the weekly 30-minute RE program was moved to lunchtime or before and after school sessions. I think that was back in 2016. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know in many government schools it's not offered at all anymore because there wasn't enough people willing to have something outside of their regular work hours. It's it's obviously a sacrifice to be running something like that. Um, And there would need to be um, budget and spaces and Mm -hmm. um, child mining and things like that all to be considered. Um, And so in response to taking away the RE program, which was really, really, really heartbreaking to hear in schools. um, So there's a new program called Respectful Relationships which has been rolled out in the last few years where students are learning about family violence, gender stereotypes and discrimination. Okay. And then we also have the Safe Schools program, which I'm sure many people have heard about before, which is a school opt-in program. So this Mm -hmm. one's not compulsory. Yeah. Uh, I know it's been prioritised in government secondary schools, but there have been some government primary schools and even Catholic schools who have chosen to um, teach this program Mm -hmm. where kids are given uh, age-appropriate information to help prevent and respond to bullying or discrimination based on sexual orientation and gender identity or intersex status. So both of these programs have been created to set out to inform children about the ways in which we are different from one another. But ultimately it is missing what the foundation of all of this is coming from, which is that Mm. each child is uniquely and wonderfully created by our God. Yeah. And that although we may be different to one another, God loves us all and we all need to love one another. Yeah. And I really, really believe that teaching these concepts about gender stereotypes, family violence, discrimination, everything, Mm. if it came from the right place, from the right foundation, it would have such a greater impact and it would actually make it a lot easier because it would all just come from one place. It wouldn't need to be separated into different different subjects or different um, aspects. Mm. And being informed at such a young age does not mean that these kids are able to discern and understand what they're learning that's such a good point because we're talking about the fruit mm. of so healthy relationship is the fruit of relationship with God. Yeah. So what we're trying to teach children is how to find 
healthy relationships, but without God as being the source of that. Mm. And that's a house of cards without the foundation that He is. And you mentioned about safe schools program in uh, secondary school. And I mentioned just before that my children are all in a Christian school now, but they weren't originally. And the secondary school that we enrolled our eldest son Noah in wasn't a safe school when he went into it, Mm. became one in his second year there. And um, he had a gay pride day and him and one other friend chose not to dress up in rainbow colours that day because that was just their their stance. Yeah. Um, and on that day he was thrown into a locker and mm. called a homophobe. So the very program that was intended to promote anti-bullying became something he was bullied over. Yeah. And we walked the journey with him of trying not to shelter him too much and standing up for his faith. But at the end of 12 months, it actually got too much for him. Mm. And then we booked a meeting with the principal and spoke about just not having the same values. And it was, we tried to communicate that with love, but the principal was actually very offended that he thought we were saying the school didn't have any values. Mm. But what we were saying was, no, they're just different than ours. And so this is just not something that's working for us anymore. Yeah. So I listened to these stats from McCrindle Research, and these are Australian-based stats. 99% of Australians, 99 people. That's a lot. <laughs> yep. Believe it is important to teach values to Australian school students. Interestingly, more than four in five, 84%, believe that Christian heritage has been instrumental in shaping the values that we teach to children. Just 16% of those surveyed were opposed to parents having the choice of teaching faith-based values in school. In fact, 71% of parents of primary age children in New South Wales are opting to enrol their kids in religious education. Let's pause here for a second. How can it be? that we are pushing godly and biblical-based values out of our national curriculum if it is not what the majority of parents actually want. Mm. Only 16% are opposed to this. How is the minority ruling policy? It means that the overwhelming majority of parents want and see the value in Christian values, which they believe are beneficial. How and when? Did we get to the place where the minority are setting our policy and curriculum? You know, we need to remember that Australians identifying with Christianity are still five times more than those identifying with all other religions combined. We are being told we are the minority. People, (laughs) we are not. There is an agenda at play here. Recent Australian research shows that 53% of Australians that's more than half, I'm here with a teacher, but that's more than half, (laughs) believe Jesus' life is extremely important to the history and the culture of the world. But is Jesus' life in our primary school curriculum? Mm. How can this be absent? It doesn't make sense. And this research is readily available. You don't have to look far for it. These kids are our future. And knowing these things allows us to respond by petitioning God with where we are at, asking to hear his voice on what he sees and then playing our part through prayer and action. Mm. Maybe you're a teacher listening today, you're hearing those stats and go, well, actually, maybe people won't mind me Mm. sharing about my faith. So Kelly, given all of that, 
you really do have an incredible opportunity to bring light into many children's lives. And obviously you do have some limitations in how you can do this, but can you share a story with us about how you have heard God's voice giving you wisdom, prophetic insight into a child's learning or their mind, and how you've applied this as a teacher? So recently a student that I taught uh, actually in the last two years mm-hmm. um, was facing some body image and dysmorphia issues. Mm-hmm. This is as a six-year-old. Like wow. It just breaks your heart to yeah. hear a six-year-old being so concerned with how she looked yeah. um, as she was getting teased by some other students mm. at school. And her mother emailed me and I was really struggling with how to approach the situation and how yeah. to reply to an email where the mother was just feeling so helpless And she was just crying out for for help. She just didn't know what to do. Um, She was really worried that this was going to turn into an eating disorder at six years old as she was um, beginning to refuse food. Oh, my goodness. And, like, instantly my brain went, I just wanted to reply saying, oh, she's so fearfully and wonderfully (laughs) made. She's created perfect in God's image. She is beautiful. Mm -hmm. She is loved. She is enough. Um, But... There was a lot of fear behind yep. sharing this, I guess you could call it Christianese, yep. with a family from my workplace. And so I just prayed about it and I asked God and I spoke with some people that I trusted in my world and he just said to me, well, why not share all those truths with yep. her? He doesn't, like, she doesn't need to know that they're my words because it's truth. Yeah. And wow. the truth remained the same whether it had the word God in it or not. <laughs> So uh, I was actually able to send through some affirmation card, some affirmation cards that the mother didn't need to know I got from a Christian source. Wow. And just speak life into her situation. And I could share the truths of what her heavenly father thought of her and let his truth speak louder than my own words ever could. And she's um, she managed to build up her confidence and she found some new friends and the, all of the bullying and everything that was happening stopped. But um, she kept those affirmation cards and she still looks at them now. I think it was it was only only late last year that this was happening and so knowing that she's still using them wow. um, after the situation had passed and um, her mum actually said that she was giving them to her brother as well because he was going through um, a, a, just another difficult situation. And so just through that one action, already God's truths are being spread into that family without them even knowing. So oh, that, was, that makes me dance. Yeah, it, was, it, was, <laughs> it was pretty special to hear that. And the mum, as, as I said, the mum didn't know that they were that they were words from God. They yeah. were the the truths that he believes about her daughter and about her as well. So, um, yeah, it was pretty special to know that God's word is in their house, even though they're not necessarily a believing family. Yes, and we often read those scriptures about what the word of God will do as though it only does it in a believer's life. Mm. But actually, it does it, it works in anybody's life, whether they know it's scripture or not. And that right there that you've just shared, people listen. <laughs> That's that's all it has to look like yeah. to be prophetic. We ask heaven for a revelation of how to deal with the situation, and then we report that revelation on earth. Now, of course, Old Testament, most of the time in the New Testament, the literal translation means you speak out what is revealed. But there are many examples in the Bible of people acting 
on what is revealed. Mm. And so I'm completely comfortable with using prophetic as an adjective here, Um, not just as a noun or a verb. What you did then was you acted prophetically because God gave you revelation and then you revealed it. Mm. You revealed His Word to these people. Kelly, that's so powerful. What does it look like for you on a day-to-day basis to operate prophetically as a teacher? Make it super simple for us. All right, simple. If God is at the centre of what you put your hand to, it becomes an act of worship. Mm -hmm. So my work of being a teacher, your work of being a builder or a hairdresser or a lecturer or a teacher's aide or a canteen lady or an office worker, if that becomes your worship and I ask God to work through what my hands and heart are producing, it will become prophetic and he'll start speaking through what you're doing. So good. I want to take a left turn and talk about another aspect of education because in doing some research for this podcast, I discovered quite a big shift that has quite a significant opportunity for us as believers and especially those in the education sphere. In the last five years, almost half of parents, 48%, have increased their expectation of teachers and schools to not only provide education, but to provide and support well-being. So whereas 10 years ago, you sent your child to school based on what kind of education they would get, parents are now choosing schools based on well-being support as well as education. They're becoming equally as important. So when it comes to well-being, we've just spoken about it. We have the manual, we have the goods. (laughs) And an example of well-being being incorporated into our national curriculum would be mindfulness practices. If you didn't know, preppies are doing mindfulness right now. So Kel, what does this look like currently in our curriculum? How is mindfulness, meditation and spirituality being incorporated in the classroom? So mindfulness is woven into activities that we teach about well-being and positive education. So at a primary level, we teach students the importance of focusing on one thing in the moment. So whether it be taking deep breaths, Mm -hmm. using our individual isolated senses in nature Mm -hmm. or um, mindful colouring. So colouring in a detailed picture one section at a time and focusing Mm -hmm. on staying inside the lines and using um, a multiple of Mm colours. Mindfulness and meditation don't need to be seen as a secular practice though, but it definitely is spiritual, which is Mm. the beauty of it. And kids are so open to trying new things. Um, And the great thing about giving kids access to this is Mm. that it gives them permission to experience their feelings and understand that they are in control of their feelings and if they're experiencing something that they're allowed to experience it in its full capacity mm-hmm. um, and that the realm of experiences and feelings that they'll feel is okay mm-hmm. um, and that spirituality doesn't need to be a negative word or it doesn't need to be a scary word because um, many kids, are, as I said before, are so open to the spiritual realm and are open to new things mm-hmm. and to being introduced to new things. Um, and so I have used, uh, plugging here, uh, Numa Worship's <laughs> Stillness album. Yeah, it's you a beautiful have. one. Uh, I have used it on many days where I feel my kids have needed a space to just take wow. some deep breaths and, and to calm down. And they don't have to know that these mm-hmm. melodies are God-breathed. They yep. just know that it's calming and that it gives them a chance to visualize and to just um, 
really open themselves up to being vulnerable and to just really being relaxed, I guess, in, in a sense. Um, and I've also used um, stillness as a visualization tool wow. to generate imagination for writing. And it's amazing how a little brain can still interpret that the um, track metamorphosis is the beginning of a butterfly's life. Like a, I've had six-year-olds tell me, oh, that sounds like a, but- a butterfly coming out of a cocoon. So what? like they're so naturally tuned to creation and to what's going on around them. And uh, they find the most incredible things to share with one another through what they are experiencing in creation and through what they can, can see. We pause there for a second because the way that track was named was – the writers, producers sent it to me and then I listened and I named them based off the encounter I had with God. Now, the crazy thing about that is the writer of that was writing about the death of a child Mm. and then how God made all things new in his life. So when I went to him and said, could we call this one metamorphosis? He was like, what? Because what he'd worshipped in, his experience, prophesied to my life. And now you're telling me that Mm six-year-olds are getting that out of it? Flip. Okay, sorry. My head's (laughs) just like, what the heck? That is wild. Sorry, I interrupted you, but that is so cool. Yeah, no, it's it's amazing. It Mm. really is. So what I see here, Kelly, is a people who are hungry for the real thing, And I love that you're giving them a real experience, but can I just say the world is presenting biblical practices as counterfeit. Mm. And it's I I love that you're talking about kids are tasting and seeing that spirituality is good. It makes me sad we've pulled the God out of God concepts. Mm. So meditating on God's Word, mindfulness, stillness, these are biblical concepts. Using music to connect with God. Music is a gift from God. It's a very fast pathway into His presence and experience with Him, a way to connect with Him, a way for Him to speak to us. So it makes me sad that that's the God's being pulled out of the very thing that's meant to draw us to Him. But I'm encouraged that that's happening. Mm-hmm. Whether our people setting our curriculum think it's about God or not, mm. God is still using what He wants to use. Definitely. Okay, what will you say to other teachers and other believers about how they can just begin to operate prophetically in the education space? I think we need to think about how our Heavenly Father loves us and just strive to love and serve your students in the same way. Yeah. You know, Jesus walked on this earth as a teacher to serve all of his students, Mm. no matter their background, no matter their family, their gender or their social status, and ultimately demonstrate God's love for them. And he reached out to those people that were cast aside, Mm. that were called outcasts in their communities. And if we can teach from a place of love and acceptance, your students will trust your character and they will be willing to share every aspect of their life with you. And as they do it, you'll do it as well. And that's mm. how you can connect with them on a um, similar similar basis. So good. So, Cal, uh, I would love it if we could finish by you praying over teachers, curriculum writers, everybody involved in the education system. Would you mind praying for them that they would maybe feel just one thing maybe even stand out from today of how they could take what seems to be an area just for the specially skilled Christians of prophecy, but it's actually meant to be for the everyday believer, 
pray that they would have courage and boldness and wisdom from heaven to step into it. Yep. Father God, we thank you so much for teachers and we thank you for the people that you have placed in our education system at Mm. this time, in this world that we are living in. Father God, we thank you that you have given them an incredibly unique gift to love on our children Mm -hmm. and to love on our teenagers and to love on our young adults and to impart wisdom in a way that anyone else who would fill those shoes wouldn't be able to do Mm. because you have given them unique gifts, God. We thank you that we have been given this time today to just reflect on how you are still working in this world Mm -hmm. and that even in something like education that seems like it has been pulled so far apart from your heart, God, we just thank you that today we are reminded that you are in all that we do and that as teachers and as educators put their hand to their craft in the weeks to come, even despite being in lockdown, Father God, I pray that you will just continue to reveal Mm -hmm. yourself Mm -hmm. through the smiles of these children, Mm. through the warm emails from their parents, through the encouraging words from their uh, employers, through everything that they are still laboring over during this time. Mm. Father God, I pray that you will just reveal your truth in what they are teaching. I pray that you will reveal yourself in a new way through the way that they teach, the way that they listen, the way that they interact with their students. And we thank you that you are in this education system and that parents and communities are still recognising that your truth is good and that your truth is here to guide these little human beings into being the best that they can be. And God, we know that they are so loved, that they are accepted, that they have been created so perfect in your image. So God, we thank you for this time and I really... Thank you that you are working in people's hearts right Mm -hmm. now, people that have heard this podcast, Mm. people that have thought that their profession is just a a job that Mm. they do so that they can earn money. Father God, I pray that you'll just remind them and just refresh their hearts in knowing that what they are doing is so purposeful and that you are with them every single step of the way and that you are giving them insight and prophetic vision into how you love Mm. the children and that how they love the children will shine through their actions and will shine through their words. Yes, Lord. So, God, we ask all of this in your name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Kelly, thank you. You are amazing. We cheer you on. You are doing brilliant. And yay for baby coming. Hey, listeners, hear me. It's a really prophetically important time to stand up for what our kids are being taught and the direction and trajectory of our education system. It's a time to pray for the teachers and educators you know. It's a time to pray for what is not godly, to be uncovered, broken in Jesus' name. It's a time to see more and more Holy Spirit-inspired people who know how to hear His voice, communicate it to an up-and-coming generation, and being sent out into our worldly education system to see it be reformed, to God's true intention. We need you, Christian teachers. We haven't even touched on secondary teachers or lecturers today because we don't have time, but prophetic people, go and start a conversation with the educators in your world. Find out how you can pray for them, prophesy over them. Ask them if they have any students that you could pray for. 
Perhaps God will give you the wisdom they need for that student. Thanks for joining us today. See ya. See ya.